presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast, the podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to Your Church on Mission. I'm here with my co-host, Scott Smith. And today and over the next few podcasts, we're going to do something a little different And that is we are bringing on some pastors who really fit the mold of where the majority of Southern Baptist pastors are. And they're going to talk about some of their successes and their struggles in leading their church to be evangelistic. Scott, it's um – it's pretty important to hear from other guys who are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I'm excited about our first guest today. Uh, Greg Jackson is a pastor of a, a, a let's say, a medium-sized church, slightly above the average size in the SBC. We'll get to his numbers in, in the uh, in the interview in Camden, Ohio, First Southern mm-hmm. Baptist Church. And uh, and we'll, we'll get to know him a little bit in this podcast. But he talks about... Uh, the challenges that he has uh, with just spreading evangelistic culture throughout his church. He shares what's working for him, which is very interesting, and that's something we want to include in each of these interviews, but also what the challenges are, and we address those challenges. So I think there are a lot of takeaways at multiple levels in this in this interview. Yeah, he's going to bring uh, you know he's going to bring to the table some things that really, Pastor, if you're listening, you probably struggle. With and that is how to create the culture. How do we how do we get more people trained in evangelism, sharing their faith? How do we involve them in the process? Uh, really, just uh, things we hear from a lot in pastors when we're out talking, counseling, coaching over the phone or in person speaking. Uh, it's really uh, to borrow a phrase, it's every pastor struggle. You know, a lot of these things are. It is. It is great call. Yeah. So we hope you listen to this. Uh, you learn from Greg because he has some good ideas on how to do evangelism. And then we hope you learn from what his, his struggles and frustrations are because he, here's what we know. His struggles and frustrations are your struggles and frustrations. So let's jump straight into the interview. We have on the call with us today, Pastor Greg Jackson in Camden, Ohio. Greg, welcome to your church on mission. Thank you, Joel. Glad to be here. Hey, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about your church and your ministry there in Ohio. Well, I'm, I'm beginning my 24th year here in Camden. Camden is in southwest Ohio, about 40, 40 minutes west of Dayton on the Indiana line. Um. I think there are about 40,000 in our county, and we're about 10 miles away from the county seat. But Camden alone is a village, about 2,500 people. Only place I've ever been, and uh, it's just been a a neat thing. And it's First Southern Baptist Church, Camden, Ohio, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So um, Scott and I both know you uh, well, and uh, great pastor, doing a great job. Hey, just for our audience, um, tell us a little bit about what is working in evangelism there in Camden. Well, um, I, I would always maybe consider myself, you know, with an evangelistic gear. I've always had a heart to share my faith, and um, and I never thought I would pastor a church where that would be a difficult uh, thing to do because I thought it would just naturally carry over. But there are some things that. I believe the congregation has caught for me, and that one of them is just simply to make it a, a lifestyle issue, not just a Tuesday night, hour and a half thing. Mm. So we're tr- we're trying to equip our folks 
to do lifestyle evangelism wherever they're at, whatever setting they're in. What what, what are some of those equipping modalities that you're using, Greg? Uh, we, we just call it sharing our story. Uh, it's it's just simply using your testimony wherever you're at, looking for an opportunity to step in and and share share our hope however however we can in whatever setting that is. Uh, one one thing that God has allowed us to do here is to uh, plug into the schools in a big way um, with with through different means. Yeah, that, just just to get some perspective on on your church, about how many are you having in worship right now, Greg? Average. We run about three hundred. Um, you know, I've never seen a day, Scott, like this where you can have three twenty five on one Sunday and two seventy five the next. Thinking, you know, where'd fifty people go? Mm, yeah, but, but that's kind of we're we're usually right around the three hundred mark. Okay, and uh, and and is how how many? This ballpark. How many did you baptize last year? I want to say twenty six or so. Okay. Um, I, I believe that's that's pretty close to correct. And, and, and in those that have come through that were baptized last year, um, h- how many of those would you say came through because of your emphasis on personal evangelism and telling your story? Well, m- most probably came uh, through that in one way or another, uh, either through a friend uh, inviting them or, uh, uh, you know, most of the time when a person makes that decision, uh, it's wonderful when they've made it even prior to the worship service, knowing that they're going to come forward, Mm -hmm. uh, having already settled it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So we still, we still see people come to Christ, you know, in home, in home, uh, visits and um, so that that's you know the the Holy Spirit is still quite capable of saving folks even mm-hmm. in uh, many would say uh, that doesn't work anymore that's an outdated mode but, but but it's a blessing to see people give their life to Christ still in their home yeah so Greg you you're mostly talking about what we call living on mission and training your members to live out their faith where they are but it sounds like you're doing a uh, maybe a Tuesday night outreach uh, or something on a regular basis too. Is that correct? No, it's not, not, not like you would think, Joel. Uh, you know, you had mentioned some challenges uh, that, that I can get to a little later, but it seems like when we do the weekly Tuesday night time, it's, it's usually the same folks, oftentimes staff and those few faithful that go out. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be able to touch the people that are here Sunday morning that aren't even going to give Tuesday night a second thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it so, sounds it sounds like you've done a great job of modeling evangelism, and and that we found that you know in the top baptizing churches that is a staple that the pastor emphasizes evangelism personally. He shares his faith personally, and and has figured out a way in most cases to uh, help others in the church live on mission, as Joel says, and tell their own story. And so that's worked really well. Um, what, what, in looking at the 26 or so that were baptized last year, what, what, what would you say is another vehicle in your church that's worked well that has brought some of those in? Would it be VBS or some other arm of ministry? Yeah, VBS is still huge here. Uh, being in a small town, uh, I think there is a, an expectation, Scott, of us doing it with excellence. And I don't mean better than other churches, but I mean doing it 
the best we can here on the corner. We're, we're visible uh, on the corner of two state routes, so we we promote it heavy, and um, and we get we get a lot of uh, prospects through Bible school. So we're sold on Bible school, um, and we're also, as I mentioned, heavily engaged in our school system. Yeah. And and that comes by way of uh, uh, monthly going to the teachers' lounges. We call it Bakers of Men. We get into the teachers' lounges about seven different ones. Uh, I write a personal note from from the church saying thank you for teaching our kids. We're praying for you. Those kind of things. Mm. And then we just leave these cookies. I mean, a nice you know a nice uh, uh, little thing of desserts. And that, you'd be amazed at how many doors that has opened when we go to a ball game or uh, see people out in public. Uh, our school is the emergency release for the evacuation, or our church is, for the school here in town. And uh, it's it's really been a blessing to be part of that. Yeah. Um, we uh, we feed the football team on Thursday nights. And, you know, we just we do whatever we can. Yeah, and again, when we talk about that um, at your church on mission, we, you know, ser- compassion ministry, serving your community, living on mission. You, that's right in your wheelhouse. Uh, it sounds like. Um, so let's talk yeah. about because you you represent a lot of guys, you know, in uh, at your size church and your and really in your situation. Tell us um, what are your biggest challenges, even frustrations with evangelism and uh, trying to reach more people and baptize more. Well, there's all you know. There's always a, a large group of people that think they can't do it. Uh, that that somehow the pastor uh, or a certain small group of folks in a church are the ones that are going to share their faith, and and there's no way I could ever do that. So you 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 just got to constantly reinforce to your people, and we call it telling your story. Uh, that anybody anybody can tell their story, and if you're a Christian, you have a testimony. And even though uh, your story may not be wild, and you know about a lot of seeds sown uh, to the world. Well, amen for sparing you from that. But everybody's got a story. So, um, you know, getting over our fear and encouraging folks, I guess a, a disappointment uh, or discouraging thing would be when you when you train in evangelism, oftentimes you're retraining the same people. Mm. And these folks love the Lord and, and they want to serve the church, but sometimes it, it just seems like you're, retraining the same people in a little different format. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be one thing that I think maybe a lot of us um, battle. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've heard with that, Greg, is that Jimmy Scroggins speaks into that really, really well, where he talks about, of course, he uses three circles, but building into the DNA of the church and, uh, you know, that training process. And so he, he talks about he'll have people lead people to Christ before he baptizes them because they train you how to share your faith before they baptize you. So it's part That's of the process awesome. of, of baptism. And one of the things we see a lot of top evangelistic guys do is they don't do the training uh, in a small group. They do it in a Sunday morning setting. And so if evangelism is going to be the priority of what we do and what our focus is and our, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, man, some of these guys are just doing it on Sunday mornings, literally putting a, a 
a whiteboard up, you know, and wrapping yeah. a small sermon around it and and uh, having them practice it and do it um, even with each other there in the service. And it seems a little odd because we're not used to, to Sunday mornings being a training time, but uh, you obviously catch a lot of people uh, trying to do it that way. And uh, that may even, because it does get frustrating when you have the same nine people showing up to the training and they've already been trained, you know, in the past. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, have, we did similar to what you're talking about. I did it in a Sunday evening setting and it was received well. And, um, and I appreciate that with Jimmy Scroggins and the way that he has approached that because he's getting more, more hearts and more, more folks to hear the message. One thing we do, Joel, is I grew up in the church, you know, I, I was always fascinated with the track rack. And I'd be grabbing them, you know, and taking them uh, as a young man. Well, we focus on one track here, mm-hmm. and it's it's the Billy Graham Steps to Peace with God. That's great. So we, we try to encourage our folks to be about uh, uh, the gospel through the simple means of Steps to Peace with God. We make them available at every exit uh, hanging on the wall. We want people to see it and uh, and, and take that with them wherever they're going. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we're finding is that it's good not to vary the training too much. So okay. now I don't know. I don't know if you know if you're when you say you're retraining some of the same people that you're taking them through a different method every time. Like the the most effective evangelistic churches have shown us that focusing on one method tends to trump uh, jumping around. So now you may have two methods. Uh, you may have something longer, for instance, like, you know, uh, EE or faith that takes a few weeks to take people through. And then in the fall or the other part of the year, you may do an alternative that you could teach in one service or one night, like the three circles training. But but outside of one or two methods, they don't vary much. And so um, now people can obviously go through it as a refresher, but you're not retraining this. You're not in the position then of trying to come up with creative new evangelistic methods to retrain your core evangelists, so to speak. Right. Um, you're just right. making sure that that one method is is uh, permeating the body and becoming more ubiquitous, ubiquitous across the board in terms of a method to use. And that's why you can bring it on a, on a Sunday morning, you know, like like Joel's mm-hmm. talking about. It's like this is what we do. This is how we do it, and it becomes the way. Uh, and also, some of those that are trained can can take part in other trainings that you do. But it becomes it becomes the method. So, so our encouragement would be to focus narrowly on your approach. Which, if it's if it's if it's steps to peace with God by Billy Graham track, then wear that out. Mm-hmm. Like everybody right. learns how to use that track up one side down the other. Right. I even encourage guys to use it as part of their invitation. If if they give an invitation, you know, uh, go over that same outline in brief at the invitation, and you're really reinforcing it every Sunday uh, by saying, "Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, let me tell you, uh, here are the steps to peace with God." And man, you can just run over those real quickly, and you reinforce it with them, and um, it, it really is a, a secondary uh, reinforcement for them besides just learning it on a. Um, you know, in a class, they're hearing the pastor do yeah. it every time. Uh, Greg, an, another question, and maybe this may be a little more difficult to answer, but is there, what would you like to see happening evangelistic, evangelistically at your church? Maybe, and by that, I mean kind of an atmosphere or even an initiative that you said, man, if we, if we could do this, this might be the key 
uh, to unlocking us baptizing 60 people next year or, or you know, 70 people next year or 50 people next year? Anything come to mind? I, I think what I, I would love to see more would be um, – that believer here in our church standing with the person that they've led to Christ. You know, this is my neighbor. This is my coworker had the privilege to, I think that's the testimony that just speaks volumes that, um, that whoever I, whoever God uses, uh, anybody can be saved. God can use you. And, uh, you've just got to be willing, uh, to share your story. And, and I think that, that would be a, a a revolution of of excitement and and passion just to see people saved. I, I think sometimes we get away from the fact that that folks are lost, you know. And then we we go through motion Sunday after mm-hmm. Sunday, week after week, and if we don't see decisions, uh, you know, you begin to you, you just start thinking why, and then maybe answer the question. Well, you know what? We're not sharing the gospel with people. Yeah. And so what you're talking about there, Greg, is uh, when we here at NAM talk about leading on mission, gathering on mission, and living on mission, uh, one of the things we talk about in leading on mission, and it falls under the pastor, is creating a culture of evangelism. And that's really what you're talking about now is an evangelistic culture at your church, because here's what we discovered when we studied top evangelistic churches, uh, almost without exception— there were some, but almost without exception, they found ways to creatively celebrate life transformation and baptisms. Now, yeah, almost what you're talking about. And so there's this constant drive for how do we just not baptize with, you know, routine, which is what happens in your average Baptist church. Uh, when we call out their name, we dunk them in the water and walk them on. How do we baptize and celebrate life transformation. And that's what you're talking about. And so here, you know, we have seen, um, uh, uh, this is very common for them to put the person who brought that person to church or led them to Christ in the baptistry waters with them. Um, you know, people all getting a t-shirt, even including the ones who brought them to church or, or led them to faith in Christ. All of that that you can do, uh, what what we see almost all the medium size and larger churches doing are creating baptism videos that celebrate the act of baptism. It may be after the baptism where they videoed. It may be before where they're even interviewing the person. Sometimes that doesn't go really well, you, you know, and, and those don't work if you're baptizing 20 people, you know, at a time. Uh, it, it's And there's some churches that do take the whole service. And they baptize, you know, maybe four times a year, and it's the entire mm-hmm. service. And they do a lot of those creative things. But I think what you're talking about there is creating a culture of evangelism, and how you celebrate baptisms, as you just brought up, is incredibly yeah. important in creating that culture. Yeah. You, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when you speak speak about small church pastors, country church pastors, maybe the guy that's uh, feels like nobody, you know, is aware of even where he serves. I have realized in our small town is I don't lead people to Christ just sitting in my office all week. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, when I'm not in study, it's important to be uh, amongst people. Yeah. Uh, because you're not, they're not just going to bust the walls down of the church to come in and talk to me about Christ. you got to build a relationship and 
and meet people and and um and boy i tell you in a small town the, the relationship is still important yep Yep. And news of that relationship spreads. And again, that goes back to, we see it in all the top evangelistic churches, pastors leading on mission. Uh, they're modeling it for the rest of the congregation. And uh, man, how, how good is it when you're baptizing someone that you invited to church, you brought the faith in Christ, you, you, you got them to vacation Bible school or, or whatever it may be. Makes all the difference yeah. in the world when the pastor is taking the initiative uh, to lead on mission. What percentage of the ones that come to Christ would you say come to Christ on a Sunday morning service? Um, I don't know, Scott. I mean, my heart breaks every time we give an invitation and don't see a decision, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you're so, giving uh, an invitation pretty regularly? Uh, gospel oh, presentation, gospel invitation? Oh, every service. Okay. I, I told my wife, I told Renee that if I die tomorrow— I would like you to go back to my last Sunday message and play the invitation at my funeral. Oh, wow. Because That's I great. believe I believe I ought to be able to, to pull out any any tape of an old sermon and hear the gospel presented clearly. That's that's fantastic. What what so so that's that's good. I think people need to understand that still a lot of times the most evangelistic hour of the week uh, in most areas of the country. What what about events? Have you guys done a lot of events, or do you do you attempt many events, evangelistic events? Yeah, we we've toned that down a little bit, but we still, uh, you know, we're we still do the big you know back to school block party, and and uh, even though we set it out this year, we do the big trunk or treat events and all that stuff that most churches do. Mm-hmm. But here's what I found out: unless we are intentional mm. about looking for an opportunity to share the gospel, then we're just having a party like everybody else. Yeah. And uh, so you have to drive that, and really from from the pastor that has to be driven, because your people will work themselves to death uh, to get something done like that, and then you get to the end of it and say, well, you know what? There was no thought of evangelism or sharing the gospel. <laughs> right. So you got you got to make that a priority when you plan. So that's exactly right. <clears throat> so one of the, one of the things is we, we found that when you when you have an event where the gospel may or may not be tagged on, they sort of let themselves off the hook with the gospel, and they've satisfied their conscience that they've served. They've opened their trunk full of candy or, or you know, set up and took down chairs, and and that's all fantastic. So, so one of the things you might want to think about are some key events where evangelism is the point and it's part of the promotion even inside your church, like a wild game dinner for men, for instance. Everybody knows that the goal is to get men there to hear somebody preach the gospel and come to Christ. Uh, and a, right. a harvest Sunday would be another example. And I know you've done those. Um, but those types of things where it's not something where the gospel might happen. It's like the whole point of this is to expose as many people to the gospel at once as possible. And then you're also giving the people another tool. You know, Joel's always been great about saying our people will share their faith more often if we give them the tools. And one of the, one of the tools is creating an easy invitation opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's none better in the country at this than Hal Seed out at uh, New Song Community in Oceanside, California, that talks about building elevated excuse Sundays. So planning into your year, maybe a few elevated excuse Sundays, meaning an elevated excuse to invite someone to church. Because everybody's going to come to church someday, but someday never comes. But when you give them an event, you know, we're having this 
you know, wild game dinner, it's going to come and go. Or this celebrity speaking at our church on Sunday morning, and I say celebrity, could be an athlete, could be somebody well-known. And it may not even be the person actually that preaches the gospel that day, but somewhere in there they'll hear a gospel presentation, an invitation. And, and, and you could see more, you know, three, four, five, 10, 15 saved literally that day. And also your people are mobilized to invite. So that, that may be something to think about as well. That's good. Yeah. And I think you hit on one of the things just kind of in wrapping it up here, Greg, that a lot of pastors, it was good for them to hear you say what you just said. Uh, we have to evaluate the resources that we put into events and activities. Are they yielding the results we want at the end? And what happens is we become really good at the event and the event or, or the activity, both, uh, because some of them are ongoing activities and they don't accomplish anything at the end. And so, uh, you know, when you, when somebody tells me, well, we put, you know, 5,000 man hours into this and we put $10,000 into it. Well, my immediate question is, well, how many people came to faith in Christ with that? Because if I let somebody work all day long, 50 hours a week and didn't give you a paycheck at the end of the week and you came to me and said, where's my paycheck? And I said, oh, there's no pay. We're just letting you, you know, have fun working. Most people wouldn't appreciate that. Yet uh-huh. we do it in the church all the time where we let people work and give their time, money, energy, resources. And then at the end of it, we haven't orchestrated it to be evangelistic and see life transformation. People come to faith in Christ. Um, that should be disheartening. Now, the trouble is it's not always disheartening in the beginning because we enjoy the event and the camaraderie and, and all that. But I would rather maximize my resources and when I say resources, I do mean dollars, energy, time, all those things that church members will give us uh, for the kingdom. I want to maximize those. And at the end of that, I want to be able to walk people through the baptistry waters and say, this guy's life was changed because of the work you put into X, you know, event or atmosphere. So you just hit on something, a realization at your church that a lot of guys have not taken the time uh, to stop and evaluate if if we're keeping the main thing the main thing and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that that's that's it uh, i said at church sunday jesus said i came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance that is the main thing then evaluate everything we do against the gospel and is it making a gospel impact so hey great words greg thank you so much for joining us today uh, a lot of guys uh, will resonate with you and uh, some of the uh, you know uh, roadblocks that you have as well and uh, hope this uh, podcast will help them. Thanks. Thanks for joining your church on mission. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to your church on mission evangelism podcast to find out more about leading your church on mission. Be sure and check out the blog www.namb.net forward slash your church on mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.